Hello and welcome to the North America Gaelic Football Podcast, the home of Gaelic football here in North America. I'm your host, Connor Green, along with Down's finest, Gareth McElinden. Just before we get started, I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors, Mesida, uh, who've been the official sponsors of the USGA since 2017. They're a family-owned, 100% Irish business. Uh, leading manufacturer of sports kits and team wear. If uh, your club is looking to get involved with Mesida, just feel free to give us a shout. We can definitely put you in touch with the right people. So without further ado, let's welcome our next guest, Gary O'Daly. Gary, what's the crack with you? Thanks a million, lads, for, for having me on. I think a little bit of a time difference here. You're, you're over there in the States, and uh, I, I'm here in Galway in the west of Ireland. So delighted. Thanks so much for, for asking me on, guys. And any, any, any way, shape, or form, we can promote Gaelic football in Ireland. And our lovely sports we have here, I, I'm delighted to do so. So thanks a million again for having me on. It's, it's great to hear that over in the States, but <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to America, but I've been in some states. Hey. <laughs> so Gary, can you uh, walk us through a bit of your Gaelic football journey, where it all began to where you are today? Yeah, I, I suppose I, I started off as probably anyone anyone did over in, in, in here anyway. Or I, I keep, I keep, I'll say over here as if that uh, you're not from Ireland yourselves. So I think I went to my first under 10 train when I was four years old. Uh, and my brother and myself started, he was uh, he was under 10 and I was four. So obviously I had to go along with him as well. He was eight, I was four. And at, 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 at those times now, I'm, I'm 29 now. So this is around 1998. So there was no under sixes, under eights, under tens. It was just under 10. You get them off there. They run around the field for an hour. They come home tired. Well, rel- relatively tired and, and they go to bed. So I started, like I said, mate, the, the togs were down to my ankles. The jersey now was probably down over the boots as well. But that's kind of where it all started. So I remember, like, I, I had a picture up on my Instagram the other day. Someone said, went, went around a group chat at home. And it was a game, a community games uh, Gaelic match we played in 1999. Uh, and I remember it clear as day. It's my first memory of, of playing Gaelic football. Uh, we're playing Boyle. Anyone who's familiar with the Roscommon area, Boyle had like, they, I think they'd won the community games or they'd, they went to Mosny playing uh, Gaelic. And anyone who's unfamiliar with Mosny, that was like the Olympic sports of, of community games in Ireland. It's a pretty big, big deal to go to Mosny. And then we bet them on the day. And I remember coming on to the pitch and at the time, obviously, I was I was like five in '99, and it's under tens game. So obviously, I was smallest or shortest. I was the youngest, so I wasn't going to be starting. Uh, I remember coming on to the pitch, thinking, right, I'm coming on now to do a job. I want to let the manager know here, I'm to do my business. I, I have ten minutes to show what I'm about. I remember running on to the pitch and hearing eruptions of laughter because I was probably about two foot tall, the shorts down to my ankles, the, the, the jersey was coming over my hands, it was so big of me, and I could not understand why some people were laughing at me. And I genuinely, would not, I don't, I'm not even joking, I ran through someone's legs. That's how small I was playing under 10. So that's where I started. Uh, and I, I like that, just kept going back and probably thinking, why is this gobshite coming back here again for? Everyone was laughing on the last entry. He's coming back again. And I said, man was only delighted to get me out of the house for an hour and get a bit of peace and quiet and let me run around chasing balls and, and God doing God knows what else at the pitch. But obviously after a while, the older you get, uh, the better you get as well. And, and the, the more you train, the more you train your skill set, the more enjoyable it becomes then as well. Uh, we would have been a, a little bit unfortunate uh, growing up in North Roscommon in our club. We wouldn't have had a, had a massive population and the quality of our teams wouldn't have been amazing compared to other clubs just down to the population we had. And we were always would have been in the lower divisions of, of, of Roscommon and that. So you get to, there was a lot of times growing up where, you know, you're getting disheartened in losses playing under 10s, under 12s, under 14s. And you're thinking, Jesus, will we ever actually ever win a game? And you might win one game a year. You know, I might do well. I win two games in a year. Um, but like that, that's what keeps you going. That kind of 
you want to get better you want to improve yourself and like then you go into secondary school then you're playing with people from other clubs and you're playing with people who play at a higher division so then you get to test yourself against these lads then you might be you know i'm good on my team but how good am i compared to you know on a different team with other players and then like i was fortunate enough to myself growing up that i would have been playing on development panels in Roscommon from under 14 level up to minor level so I was able to always able to kind of challenge myself at that at that top or level against the top players. Now I I got dropped in two minor championship panels, so I, I never made the, the the top grade. But you know I was there or thereabouts at that time for myself, and I know mistakes I made myself at the time. My training and my nutrition were off altogether. Um, but kind of growing up then, like starting off from four years old, playing up now in twenty twenty nine now. So I'm playing. I can't remember a time where I wasn't playing Gaelic football or watching it or out the back kicking ball against the wall or pretending to be this player, pretending to be that player. And like that, I'm watching the likes of Shane Walsh and David Clifford now playing and I'm still going down to the pitch and trying to emulate what they're doing on the pitch. Even though I'm nearly a 30-year-old man, I'm still always trying to improve myself and try things out that I see during games. And I think that there's always should be an element of that, no matter how old you get. I often hear it that people like, I'm too old to be trying to kick my left foot now, or I'm too old to try a new position. Like These could be lads who are like in their mid-20s. This year, you're never too old. Like I know lads who are in their 40s in our club that want to play in new positions just to keep things interesting. Because if you start playing and you're a cornerback, for argument's sake, and you're a cornerback when you're 12, and you finish playing when you're 40 and you're a cornerback and you never played in any other position on the pitch and you always kicked the ball at your right foot and you always wore number two and that's it that was it that was your whole football career was the same thing geez there's so much more to the game than that and there's so many ways you can adapt yourself and f- change your physical appearance whether that's getting bigger that's getting stronger that's getting more powerful that's becoming extremely fit and maybe do more endurance style work maybe you can move further out the field it doesn't have to be a case now you have to go into be a full forward from cornerback but maybe you try centre back, maybe you try wing back, maybe you go around to be a Roman midfielder, or maybe it's a sweeper. There's so many different positions you can play in a similar area to what your what your thing is. And that's the kind of what that's why I'm going off on a tangent here, lads. But that's kind of what, going about my journey with GAA is always trying to kind of improve myself. Uh, and I would all primarily have been a forward, but I played a lot of time in backs, I played a lot of time in most of the time in forwards. I uh, played a couple of games in midfield. It didn't last too long because I'm five foot eight, and uh, I think it was about a week. I was tall when I was about fifteen, and I played midfield for one or two games. But I suppose that's kind of my journey, and like that, growing up, staying with the club, and I made a cardinals, and I transferred clubs within Ireland. I went from a club in Roscommon to a club in Leitrim, and moved back home then again as well. So I found you know the how important a club is to to your to yourself, and how important players are to a club, especially uh, a club with lower populations where one extra player in a team. It literally could be the them having a team or not compared to being like an obviously a, a town team and a and a, and a culture team might might go over a few people's heads there, but you know a town team like at the, the year I left Carrick and Shannon they had I think it was twelve minors come through, and the year I went back to playing at my home club I was the only person that come up that year because there was no minors came up from that age group. So again, it, it's just kind of enjoying it, enjoying it and realizing that it's it, it's it's not all about winning. It's about just representing your parish playing with the people you grew up with and like that from playing with four years old i played with a lot of people and i'm still playing with the same people from my first training when i was at under 10 training in 1998 and we got to a con final last year and we're celebrating all last year through wins losses weddings and everything else and it's the same group of lads that you know came came up from that same couple of training sessions from uh from 1998 onwards from from when i was four years old so i suppose a bit of a long-winded answer there but uh we got there we got there in the end yeah, no, I, I totally sympathise. Uh, you know, this the whole small club thing you were talking about there. Uh, you know, my my club in County Limerick is very small. Like, you know, we always 
I don't know how many hammerings we got, especially in underage. You know, it's that bit tougher. Like, isn't it? When you don't have the numbers, um, but yeah, it's 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 tough for the the small. Like, you know, you, you're competing against teams that are getting you know thirty plus lads at training. It's it's very hard for a smaller. You know, you're lucky to get ten there sometimes. You know, kind of thing. Um, but then, but then it's funny. Then you see if you see the odd story of a small club uh, succeeding. You know, and you kind of feel like it's a bit of a gap out there. You know. Yeah. Um, like the likes of say, I'm just thinking of one example, Barry Sagert there, um, County Waterford, like, you know, they must have a population of like a few hundred, but then they have the Bennett brothers and they have like four or five fellas, I think on the Waterford County Hurling team. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, just, uh, real quick, uh, you were talking about going into that cornerback role. Uh, I don't think anybody over here would ever want to go into a cornerback role, uh, with a 13 aside game. You know, it might be a little different there in a 15, but uh, when you're going up against an inside forward who's just absolutely flying uh, and you're cornerback, there's nothing more. Oh, uh, there's nothing more draining than playing cornerback. <laughs> yeah, we. Or you're in there against a you're in there against a big full forward, and it's just it's you and no man's land. So, yeah. uh, might be a little different at home, but 13 aside here on a big field, oof, that can get yeah. pretty tough. My father made a, a good point to me before there. Like he's, uh, you know, you know, like a lot of clubs in Ireland are, are against 13 aside. I feel like pure, purely just because they don't think it's, you, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you're, you're going to be playing 15 aside, you know, um, you know, you don't want to give fellas a, a false sense of confidence almost, but like, w- would you rather mark a corner, you know, would you rather be a cornerback that's kind of grown up playing 13 aside and, you know, you know, you've that bit more freedom to move around a bit and carry the ball a bit more. Uh, rather, rather than being a cornerback in 15 aside, you know, you're m- much more of a just hands-on kind of defender, like, you know. I think Cross McLean had an article out about that, right? Cross McLean and, and County Armagh uh, yeah. had yeah. an article about, you know, the, maybe some of the benefits of having a 13 aside championship. Uh, I don't know. Has that ever been brought up in, around your neck of the woods, Gary? Uh, not in terms of senior championships. So growing up, we were always played underage, 13 aside. Uh, just again like that because just the numbers that were in the clubs but we'd actually we had a re- one really good year underage where it was actually 11 aside and they brought the sidelines in so it was two lines full back two lines half back two midfield two half forward two full forward and the pitch was brought in about 10 meters on either side and actually it really suited us because from teams of smaller populations you usually have a decent enough spine you'll have a, a good midfielder two good forwards and two good defenders and like on every team, like there's always one or two players that get carried along, and you know that's still have a, a job to do on the pitch. Um, and it was actually really we really enjoyed it, and we actually did really well that year. But in terms of senior level, uh, I've never heard any conversation about it anyway. Uh, you played the odd challenge game when maybe you know there's there's lads still coming back from the pub, or you know they're cows calving or something going on, and and people don't turn up in the second half. But uh, I've never heard any conversations of it been in the pipeline for half. That's uh, that's the thing about the fifteen aside back home, like isn't it? You know, you know, with the smaller clubs, you, you'd nearly always have twelve or thirteen, you know, decent players. But it's it's the one or two that you're kind of just bringing along are, are going to end up costing you against a good team, you know. So yeah, uh, we're all in this preseason mode here. Uh, our championship is going to probably start in June. A lot of clubs are already in preseason mode, uh, maybe halfway through. Maybe some of them are already done. Uh, what would you say are probably the big physical demands uh, for a Gaelic footballer? And like, how do they demand chains? You know, as we move in early preseason into, all right, we're getting into challenge games. 
uh, and maybe in the early season. I suppose the main thing with pre-season training is you're getting your body ready to be able to take the load from games. So your pre-season training is going to be, you know, you're working on your strength and conditioning. You might be a little bit more in the gym compared to on the pitch. Maybe it's 50-50. And obviously everyone's pre-season is going to look different depending on their schedule, what their work is like, what their home life is like, and what they can commit to. And there is no one size fits everyone there's no one best plan for everyone unfortunately i wish there was because it would make life so much easier as a player if you're like right here's my plan i know i'm going to follow that and i'm going to get the same results as everyone else unfortunately that's not the case some people need to work on more things than others do maybe the off season and pre-season is a fantastic time for someone i'm really going to get my fitness up now i want to be the fittest player on the team this year whereas someone else who is the fittest player on the team they might be like right i need to work on my strength and power because Yes, I can run around the pitch all day, but I'm really slow over those first five yards and I keep getting better by the ball. As you were saying there earlier, from a, from a nippy corner forward, he keeps beating me to the ball and I want to stop that this year. I think something that everyone, the one thing that everyone should be doing in their preseason, and I think even in season, especially in all GEA, is doing sprint work in isolation. And max velocity sprinting, max velocity running, it's very, very seldom you actually do this in collective team trainings. And you might think you're going balls to the wall, bursting your bollocks, running up and down. But if, are you actually reaching your top end speed at your absolute max velocity? If you're looking at a hamstring injury, which is probably one of the most common injuries you see in GAA and across all field sports, not just GAA, it, a lot of the time it happens when people are going sprinting or accelerating where they're running at top end speed. And it usually happens during the game or in a game scenario in a training session. And if you look at how often juice practice that sprinting in isolation, and I mean proper sprint, not you're sprinting out to 20 meter line, you're running back and then you're taking five seconds break and doing that again. That's conditioning work. Proper sprint training is you take one minute rest for every 10 meters you cover. So if you're running 40 meters, you're taking four minutes rest and you're doing that for around 12 to 15 reps or anywhere from nine to 15 reps even. Like that, sprint training does not mean that you're going to be absolutely tired or bollocks or you can't move off the pitch. That's more on the conditioning side of things where you know, you're doing your bronco runs, your tempo runs, your mass runs, whatever runs you're doing, fartlek runs, doing an assault bike workout, whatever it is that you're doing, that's your condition, and that's perfect. So many different variables and different types of workouts we can do on that. But if we're looking at improving our speed, improving our power, and want to get faster, which I think is talking with so many people online, it's the main goal people always tell me. is like When I ask people, what's your main goal if they're coming on board for online coaching? I want to get faster. I want to get stronger. I want to get more powerful over those first five yards. I ask then how much sprint work you're doing in isolation. They say, yeah, I'm, I'm out twice a week running on the pitch. I'll ask them what kind of runs they're doing. And they're doing condition work. Oh, I sprint out to 45 and back. I go again in 20 seconds time. I was like, okay, are you going as fast as you Are you going as fast as you were in the first run compared to your last run? It's like, no. But then you're not doing speed work. You're not doing sprint work. You're doing conditioning work. The idea behind sprint training is you want to be able to go as fast as you possibly can for every rep that you're doing. That's why we're taking that one minute rest for 10 meters covered. And it might be a case that the 40 meters is too far to start off with. So it could be a case we're starting off at 10, 20 meters, taking one minute rest for the 10 meter runs, two minutes rest for the 20 meter runs and building it up over time. And like that, we're, uh, GEA players, even the top level inter-county athletes, 
probably cannot hold their top end speed for 100 meters like Olympic sprinters can. So the idea of being able to, of going out and running 100 meters sounds fantastic. But in reality, even Olympic sprinters aren't holding their top end speed for 100 meters long. That's why Bolt was so good as Olympic sprinter because he was able to hold his top end speed a little bit longer than the other guys. It wasn't a case that he was faster of the whole thing because if you look at any of his races, he never had the best. He, some of the races he had a fantastic start, but he was never winning from second zero to second nine or whatever, whatever he finished it in. He always kind of finished strong at the end because he was able to maintain that speed longer when those guys were slowing down. So it doesn't have to be a case for going out and running 100 meters. Anything from you know 5 to 45 meters is plenty. And that's one thing I think that isn't players aren't doing enough of in the preseason. Then come in season time when you're doing those challenge games, doing the couple of league games at the start, that's when we see that's when we tend to see those injuries piling up where you know hamstrings are getting pulled, groins are pulling, and like that, we're we're not involved in that change of direction work as well in the preseason. So there's two great things that we can do in the preseason now that isn't going to be too taxed on the body, practicing sprint work in isolation and a small bit of change of direction. It doesn't have to be anything major. And then as the season is going along, as we're going into our league games and in towards a championship, when it comes to that big game and we want to sidestep someone, we know we've practiced so many times in isolation that it's not going to be a problem. And we know then if I'm running against this nippy corner back, well, I've been practicing my sprint work all year. I know I'm going to get out in front of him. I'm going to get the goal. So that's a great thing that we can do in our preseason. Outside of that, then, we have to ask ourselves what our secondary goals are. Is it a case that we want to get bigger and stronger? Is it a, an aesthetic thing we want to look better? And again, I have no problem with saying I have a set of goals. Sometimes it became my main goals and took away from my GA performance, and, and it was a detriment of my performance. But I want to look a certain way, and I know a lot of lads and a lot of ladies do, and that's fine. There's a way we can factor that into our training to help our performance on the pitch by also hitting those secondary goals, whether that's making the jersey a little bit tighter on our arms, maybe that's making our arse a little bit tighter in the shorts, whatever the, the case may be we can factor that in as well. And you need to have those secondary goals in a training plan to keep us interested long-term. Again, we're not professional athletes. And even the top county players, as professional as they are, they're still not getting paid to do it. Or if, there's, if they're getting brown envelopes, it's not been disclosed by, by anyone else. But they actually still have secondary goals and they obviously have their training plan. And I suppose if you, if you take away the top county players, their training is probably very boring in the sense that they're going in, they're doing their set stuff that they know they need to do. They have a game on a Sunday, the championship final or, you know, can't final out, for example, Saigon like Galway. They're, they're out now in a couple of weeks' time. Their training at the moment is probably very boring in the gym, their solo sessions, because they know, right, I need to do A, B, C and D. I'm in and out in 45 minutes, staying fresh, and then I get to play my game then. That's the main thing. Whereas if we're in our preseason now here as we're talking, if we're going in and, we're, and if our training is that monotonous and boring at this stage of the year, geez, how are we going to stay on that long term come championship time in June, July time where things are getting really, really, really important and we really want to focus in our training then. That's when training can become a little bit boring. It's right, okay, like I know only what I need to do now. If I'm doing that three months away from games and like I'm setting a regiment way that everything's performance, everything is power-based, you're not going to stick to it long term. You need to have like a secondary goal to work towards. Not that everyone needs a secondary goal. If you're happy enough to do that, fantastic, brilliant, and that's great. If it's the case that you do have a secondary goal, you know, factor that in then as well. And not everything has to be GEA related as well. Um, but sprint training, I think, is, is something that for, for preventing injuries as well, I think it's something that we need to do more of. And I, I've been including it myself in the in-season here as well. Uh, not a case that I'm going to get any faster, but just running at that top end speed prepares the body for that 
to happen during games and it's not something that happens enough during training sessions so doing that in isolation if we do that in isolation it means then our body is used to running at that top end speed during games that's something we can do and obviously skills work and as, as i was saying there at the start that i'd be out copying shane walsh and david clifford at 30 years old doing the skills work trying to improve your skills in every way or shape we can even if that means just getting a ball and kicking it up against the gable side of the house left foot right foot for 10 or 15 minutes a day working on the basics fist pass and kicking it over ahead catching it you know trying a few different ways of kicking the ball or are we are we finding that our kick passing is always too high? Does it always come down with snow on it? Is there any way we can make that a little bit snappier, like a little bit faster, a little bit more driven into the chest, as opposed to a big loopy high ball that's getting intercepted? So I think writing down your own personal goals, I found myself anyway, I know that I we kind of a visual person in that way that once I write it down and I, I have a see it there, I physically can see it, I have a goal in place, I can work towards that then. If I know somebody loves their whiteboards, I'm not a whiteboard person now, but somebody loves that whiteboard on the board and see it every morning, it's like, oh, I'm going to be, you know, player of the year or enter X goal, whatever it's going to be. And for myself, I had a goal at the start of the year, and I have mentioned it before on my own podcast and on my own page and my teammates, I want to hit a minimum a average of four points a game. I know last year and, and previous years, even up until last year, if I hit one point a game, that was me happy. And I found that coming towards the end of games, if I had hit a point and the game was in the melting pot, I could find myself a little bit lost because like I've got my score. I'm happy myself. I'm happy, you know, to allow someone else to step up here. Or even if it is in the game, that you know, you're, you're, you're losing and you want nothing's really happening and no one's stepping up to the plate. And I got my score. Sometimes found myself waiting around for someone else to do something. Whereas when I have to set this goal now, I was like, right, I want to hit four points a game. And like, right, okay, how can I get on the ball to make sure I hit my own personal goal, which in turn will help the team. It's not a case now I've been a greedy bastard and I'm, I'm kicking the ball every time I get it. Obviously, the team the team like, tactics come first. And look, if I'm the right man in the right position, I'll take on that score. But I want to get, I want to make sure I'm the right man in the right position more often. So again, set a, sec- a, a goal for yourself for the year, whether that's physical, whether that's skill-based. Set a plan around that then. So argument's sake, I want to go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm going to do a, 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 my sprint work on a Tuesday. And I'm sure the facilities you have over there, lads, are amazing. There's so many tracks and, and pitches and gyms like over there. I'm sure even abundance of places like that. It might be a little bit more difficult in, for the preseason in Ireland when, you know, it's a cold, wet night. There's no pitch. There's no pitches to have lights on. There's no running tracks. There's no indoor facilities. So if you have the facilities to do it, not saying now that you're all multimillionaires and have all the best facilities in the world, but if you have the facilities available to you, you know, it, and you have those goals written down, it can it can become very difficult for yourself to talk yourself out of doing the training sessions. Whereas, again, talking about my own experiences here, coming through pre-seasons of not really having a goal at all, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, sure, I want to play better this year. But leaving it that vague, like, okay, what exactly am I looking to improve this year? Was it my fitness? Was it my speed? Was it this? Turned out it was everything. <laughs> I wanted to get better at everything. And I did nothing to do that. And I did nothing. I put no plan in place to improve myself in any way, shape or form. But the older I've got, the more I realize that myself, I know that if I write it down, if I say it out loud, even that saying that to you now again, about scoring the four points on average a game, that's again reinforcing that goal that I have in mind. I've said it out loud now again. It's a new audience has heard me say this, which means now that I can't, turn around and say oh sure i never said that before i have to pack that up now i'm not not saying that i'm putting that pressure on myself but i have to you know i've said it i i, I was going to do it and i want to do it i have no excuse now to say that you know i can't do it anymore so again i find a little bit of a longer answer there again but setting a goal in place 
end goal is obviously you want to play as best you can come championship if you're playing GAA. And if you have a secondary goal, that's fine. Just make sure we're factoring it in and it's not taken over from our main goal, which, look, if it is a bodybuilding-style goal, just don't let that take away from your performance. There is a way we can we can include everything. And the main thing is, I think, it's so important to practice sprint work in isolation and run at top-end speeds for the sole reason of preventing injuries, having the body ready for running at top speed, and it can actually help us get faster then as well. So what you're saying is um, pre-season has changed. <laughs> Pre-season has changed. Pre-season, I remember. I have to, I remember going, you know, even for 15, 16, up to like uh, Restrever. Um, we had like an uphill run, and that was your pre-season. You know, every Sunday morning you went up to Restrever, up to Kildroney Park, and you ran the hills. Hmm. And it's, you know, maybe a long distance one week, and then finished with sprints up the hill. You know, so you know, it's. I guess it. I guess it is different for every every person, right? You know, so. Hmm. You know, if, if, you know, weight loss, you know, if you're on the, you know, heavier set and you need to focus on endurance, you know, that's probably more targeted to that person. But if you're fit, you know, like, which a lot of like, probably more catered to the senior player where they already have the fitness, mm-hmm. you know, then it's more catered to, all right, it's game fitness, it's game sprints. It's like trying to get it as close to match play as possible, like as much as possible, I suppose. Is that probably uh, the way to look at yeah. it? Yeah, a little bit. And I think it's very important as well to, to keep the, as much enjoyment in, in the game as possible like that. Like we do this because it's a hobby. It's not a case we're getting paid to go out there. We have to perform every week. We need to keep it enjoyable. I think that that's the main aspect of any training sessions or games. Obviously, there is some competitiveness in it and you want to do well and you want to win. But Jesus, you, you want to be enjoying it as well. You want to be able to play the sport and like that, talking back to the times when you're playing under 10s and under 8s. I can remember how much fun it was going out just playing with your mates. You still want to keep that level of enjoyment as best you can. And obviously, football is more enjoyable when you're fit, obviously. And like that, there, is, there are still those dogging sessions when you're, you know, you're running up the hills and you're, you're out on the out in the bushes getting sick after the runs and there's no footballs in sight. They do still happen. Uh, there's a time and place for them and sometimes they're more mental and character building than they actually have a, a physical you know, benefit to them. But like that, they're the kind of training sessions you look back on <coughs> in years' time. You're like, Jesus, that was, wasn't that great crack in hindsight looking back on that because at the time it was terrible but looking back on it, it was when I, you know, that kind of brought us together as a team or whatever. But keeping the enjoyment element of it obviously is so important like that. It doesn't all have to be gym and strength and conditioning fitness and all that kind of stuff you need people to enjoy it i think i think that is the main reason we all started playing football and why we still play it is to enjoy the sport and and try and just you know it it is a way of expressing yourself like whether you think that's cheesy or corny or whatever way you want to call it it's a way some people love expressing themselves that way they might be the most talkative person in the world but geez when they get onto the football pitch they're able to do stuff that no one else can and he's like, geez, I, I didn't expect that from him. Like, I didn't think he'd be able to kick spinners from outside the 45 and the outside the right. But that's his way of just letting his, letting, you know, wherever you want his creati- creativity go. Or if he's a playmaker, you know, he's able to see passes no one else can see. And that's like, it's a way that people enjoy themselves, a way that people express themselves. And I think that's so important to keep that element of it in the game. I think some people complain that it's fallen out of the game. That's all these just athletes who can run up and down the pitch. I think it was a... Uh, was a shameless quickly from from man i was on a podcast recently he was saying that, that you can you can be a county footballer nowadays 
and not be very good. And there is a, there is a truth to that. If you are a really good athlete and you can play in a system in a team and just you know open down the pitch all day, be fit, fast, strong, and just hand pass the ball to someone better than you. There's a place in the counter team for some players like that. Not saying and not saying they're not any good, and not saying there's no inter there's not inter counter players aren't good at all. But there might be more talented footballers in the county that aren't on the team but then again they might be doing the other work that's required of inter-county footballers which is obviously the massive massive uh, targets they have to hit and requirements of them seeing them in full flow in club games there's nothing like it if you go to a random club game or go to a championship game in your your home county even junior intermediate senior slant to some game and someone is just on form and it's one of the best things ever and if you are someone who, who that's happened to where you have that day when things are just going right for you, you're just kicking points that you've only dreamed about. And you've put all the work in all the, all the years and you've been doing the skills work and it's, you're just express yourself in a certain way. It's unbelievable. It's nearly like chasing the dragon for, or whatever you want to call it. You want to get that again. And that's what brings you back to enjoyment. It's like, oh, geez, I want to get that. Do you remember that point I scored that time? You always hear those out lads in the pub. Jeez, do you remember the point I got that time against the local rivals when we won that game? And, you know, it's, it's talking about those memories yeah. and you know, expressing yourself and being creative. And it is, it is, you know, it's a way of enjoying it. It's so important to get yeah. the element involved in it. No, definitely. Like part of the reason why I love football so much is, uh, you know, you really, you really can get out there and express yourself. You know, there's, there's, many different ways of playing football like isn't there you know you can play physical you can play a more of a running game you know you can kick with the inside the outside of the boot left right whatever you know um you know there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of lot going on that you could be thinking about you know definitely but uh, no that's that's interesting what what you're saying there about the sprint work you know because there's definitely a lot of older lads who'd spit their fucking tea out at you you know <laughs> uh if you told them i'm going taking a minute break after 10 meters running like you know but uh no, it's 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 interesting. Definitely, you know, I I definitely agree that probably a lot of people don't really work work on the sprinting as much as they probably should. You know, especially in a sport like GA. You know, but uh, you see you see how they fall into that. You know, they're just trying to make it more realistic for match play. But sometimes, you know, you just, you need to mix it up a bit. So in season, no, how how would you recommend like your in season gym workouts and all that? Do you think it's something you should almost put aside, or is it you know should you would you keep tipping away at it? 100 at, at, at the gym work and all that no i mean yeah at, again like that if we're going to the gym all pre-season and all leading up to the in-season why would we stop it you know it, the gym sessions will change like they are absolutely it's not a case you're going in there you're doing your one rep max and stuff it's about just maintaining the strength that we have working a little bit more on the power side of things and keeping the body fresh keeping keeping robust like if we're working on our hamstrings like i said with the sprinting there as well and where we're strengthening in the gym and we want to keep tipping away at that during the in season to make sure like obviously there's no such thing as 100 percent reducing the risk of an injury injuries happen or it's no way there's no such thing as like an injury prevention exercise that if i do this this is not going to get injured like it's, we can reduce the risk of injury as best we can through preparation to strength condition nutrition sleep recovery but What's going to happen in, in a game if some six foot four absolute animal of a man falls over and lands on you and you tear your knee? Like it's just one of those things that it, accidents can happen, or your foot gets stuck in the ground, you twist and you do your ACL, or like that you're, you're sprinting. Like I tore my own hamstring last year, and I thought I prepared everything as best I could. It happens. It happens. Sometimes you can just do as as much as you possibly can, and injuries happen. But if we're on a plan on the in season, if we stop going to the gym altogether, the risk 
is elevated then again. So the gym work in season is going to look very different to the off season and preseason. So the volume is going to be reduced. So if we're working off the RPE scale, and the RPE scale stands for the rate of perceived exertion, that goes from one to 10. So if we're looking at an RPE of 10, that's like a one rep max. We're doing one rep, we cannot do any more. That's an RPE of 10, absolutely maximal. Our training in season is probably going to be about a six or a seven. So if we're going, for example, if we're doing a bench press and we're doing five reps on the bench press, if we're working strength and power, just say we're not working on building muscle this time of the year. We want to pick a weight where we have around three reps left in the tank. So if we're saying we're going for five reps and we're picking a weight, we want eight reps to be the absolute maximum amount we can do with that weight. And for some, that's going to look different for everyone. And before anyone goes any further thinking about weight, unless you're a power lifter in a competition and you want to win that competition, the weight that you lift is completely irrelevant. Yes, there are certain targets we can work towards. And yes, it, there will be a certain amount of crossover if we're stronger or we might be more powerful and might help us move faster or whatever. But it's not a case that I have to go in and I have to bench 100 kilos or 225 pounds it doesn't whatever if an rp of five or sorry an rp of eight for you for five reps is 60 kilos that's perfect that's fine we're staying in that bracket we're staying in that window if we go above that what might happen is we might risk fatigue not so much on the upper body side of things you might get away with going a little bit higher in the upper body but if we're looking like a trap bar deadlift or squats or box squats and we're going on an rp of nine or ten out of ten so just say we're going for three reps on box squats and our third rep is 100 percent maximal and then we've trained on the following day your legs are going to be a little bit more fatigued and what happens when we're fatigued and we're going sprinting we're going to be at higher risk of injury. So again, it's just been smart for our training sessions. And again, these are mistakes. I've made all these mistakes. Anything I've talked about here and any mistake I talk about, I've made it myself. I've made all the mistakes. And my job as a coach is to cut people's learning curves, whether that's through my own mistakes or through stuff I've learned myself. I've made loads of mistakes. And gym work, I've put a priority over my pitch session and my performance on the pitch for a couple of years. And my performance is going down the way. And I thought because I'm doing more in the gym, I should be going up the way. It's like, okay, I need to do more and more and more. Where the case was, the more I was doing, the worse my performances get. What I needed to do was take a step back, bring the session intensity down. So again, it doesn't have to be a two and a half hour grueling session. It might just be a 45 minute. If you're doing a leg day, it could be four exercises. It could be three sets of lower reps, a good bit of rest time. You're in and out in 45 minutes to an hour. You're not dying it's not like you can't walk for two or three days but come training the next day you might find jesus i actually feel really fresh i actually feel really powerful i've worked on that stuff yesterday i don't find it sore at all today it's helped my performance so that's why in-season work is important to keep in it's just you might reduce the frequency of times per week you're going to the gym or you're just changing your exercise selection and reducing the volume a little bit or just reducing the weight obviously you're looking at your goals and as well working on strength working on power and bringing in some more plyometrics then as well in the in-season is a really good idea then as well to help with that power output. We're moving laterally, moving forwards, moving up, moving out. Vertical jumps, single leg jumps, you know, kind of trying to mimic as best we can what happens in a game. So if we're looking at the likes of like a, a box jump or a depth jump where we're jumping down from a height and we're transferring that force onto moving forward. That can happen in a game. If you're looking, I jump up for a ball, I catch a ball, I land, and I'm trying to move as quick as I possibly can. If we practice that in isolation in the gym, that can potentially help our performance on the pitch. Uh, and then obviously, like if we're just improving our overall strength and power then as well, that can transfer over then if we're doing our training sessions alongside it. It's not a case that we're absolutely balls to the wall and we can't move out of the gym afterwards and we're there for three days and you know we're 
we're, we're dying and we're doing these Arnold Schwarzenegger 10 by 10 German volume workouts where, you know, we're killing ourselves. It's obviously, it, it changes with how much volume we're doing on the pitch and what our main goal is, which is obviously if, if it is GA performance, that it's going to complement that. So if that means we're only doing no, and in season, anything from one to three full body sessions is, is perfect in season. Even if you're only going to go to the gym once a week, you're doing a full body session in season. That's perfect. That's fine. You're maintaining that strength that you have, working a little bit of power. In season isn't going to be a time where we're adding, you know, massive amounts onto our lifts or we're going to add a massive amount of size. There is, there's a way we can factor it in and hit both goals. Yes, that's when we get in touch with a coach, and I'll plug it myself here. Any coach out there who has that can really factor and tailor that in for you. It's a little bit harder for doing it ourselves if we're not sure how to do that. But for the 99% of people who are general gym goers who like going to the gym in season, reduce the volume a little bit, and anything from one to three full body sessions in season is, is ideal. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it, isn't it? Like, you you don't always have to kill yourself in a session. Like, you know, just even doing something is better than nothing, really, isn't it? Absolutely. But, uh, one, one thing that's been a, a, a hot topic there the last number of years, I suppose, is recovery. Um, you know, I I know it's like, like to say for any Amer- uh, people playing in the, playing in the GA over here in America, like it's, it's a, it's a short season, but it's really, it's very packed in, like, you know, um, you, you most we a lot of weekends even here you now with our club we'd have we'd have two games on a weekend you know playing in serious heat too um mm. and if we if we go out to the nationals the finals there that they're on in august every year um it's usually a case of you're playing friday you win on friday you're playing against saturday playing mm. against sunday so i suppose what what uh what tips would you have now for recovery yeah, so like the, the, there's two main pillars of recovery, and that's sleep and nutrition. So there's so many recovery tools out there at the moment, and they all are fantastic and can work, but they're not magic tools. So if you're looking at the likes of the cryotherapy, Normatec boots, massage guns, all these stuff have a place, and, and none of them are useless. They all do have a place, and they all do work, but it's not going to outdo poor sleep and poor nutrition. So after a game, I know and it's extremely tough to do that if you're playing two days, two games in a row, or two games, two days in a row. Obviously, like this, the body can only do only recover so much in that space of time. But if we're looking at a game on a Friday, if you do have a, a couple of days in between or if it's on one weekend and, and the next weekend, you're looking at trying to get eight to ten hours sleep after a game, if at all possible. Like the sleep is so important in recovery. Like if you're someone who gets four or five hours of sleep and like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. Sure, that's how I do. And I drink 12 cups of coffee a day and I, I never need that sleep. You need sleep. The body needs sleep. And especially after putting it through a, a big, massive ordeal, which is a, which is a game like that in the heat and turning aside, like you're running more, you're moving more. You need about eight to 10 hours of sleep. You want to get good food on board. So you want to get protein on board to help muscle recovery. You want to get carbs on board to help with the energy that you use during a game. So again, uh, touching on the nutrition side of things, you need carbs. If you're playing any field-based sports, it's a glycotic-based sport, meaning that you're using carbs as few. There's no two is about it. It's science. It's not, you can't change science. You can't say, no, no, I'm, I'm burning fat when I'm playing GA. You're not. You're running, you're jumping, you're sprinting, you're kicking. All these stuff are short bursts of energy. Your body uses carbs as energy for that. There's no two is about it. So you need to fuel using carbs beforehand then after you play the game you need to replenish those glycogen storage with carbs obviously there's going to be a difference between eating you know a, a big bag of chips and and a, and, a, and a dirty burger as opposed to getting you know maybe potatoes and pasta like obviously look you have to enjoy yourself and if that's all you can eat that's fine but 
obviously the, the quality of the food, the higher quality, then there's a better chance we can get a recovery. But main thing is then you're getting that sleep. The sleep is so important. Um, and like that, if we're playing two games, two days in a row, maybe some something like that, get into ice baths. If, if you can, cryotherapy, Normatec boots, any of those extra bits then can help. But if there's only if you could only do one of those things, yeah. if you had an option of going to a recovery room or getting 10 hours of sleep, the 10 hours of sleep are going to be more beneficial than doing any recovery rooms. That's the main thing that for recovery. And I'm guilty of it. I'm still guilty of it. It's hard. Everyone has stuff. Like if you've, you know, wife, kids, families, and you're trying to keep girlfriends, boyfriends, and everything happy, and like you play the game the evening time, and you have, you have dinner reservation booked in, in, in there, or say you're playing a game in the daytime, and you have dinner booked in the evening time, and you know you're not going to get those 10 hours of sleep because you have to keep relationships and, and lifestyle going. There's only so much you can do in a day. Ideally, in an ideal world, it wouldn't be great that, you know, we could get everything done. But if we're going to choose, one of those things it'd be the 10 hours eight to 10 hours sleep if at all possible that's going to outdo or it's going to be more beneficial than any recovery tools any recovery centers yeah so when you, when i actually were... just see that at home uh a couple i see actually where i'm from up in yuri uh there's a couple of like it's like it's almost like athlete driven recovery like uh like gyms so it's just for recovery. So they have like the boots and they have like, yeah, the cryotherapy chambers. You know, I almost think, you know, we have some of that here, but I feel like it's not to the extent at home. They take it and for such a, you know, for an amateur sport, you know, they take it so seriously. Like, you know, it's, it's treated GAA athletes. It's so professionally, even though it's an amateur sport, it's so professionally driven, uh, you know, the nutrition, the working out. You know the in-season, pre-season, but then that recovery piece as well. Uh, is that same around where you are in Galway, or you know, is that just certain areas? No, it's everywhere. Like the, the, there was a recovery center in, in Galway. There's one in Carrick and Shannon. So I'm, uh, I'm from Roscam. Uh, I, I travel home to play play in Roscam now, and Carrick and Shannon is about twenty minutes away from us. We we were in there loads last year. So we we got to uh, County and Connacht final last year, and we were in there after the big games. And like that, you know, you're making sure you're getting sleep on board. But like, it's it's a great tool. Uh, it, when used correctly, it can improve your recovery. It's, 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 some people will think that if I only just do that, so I don't need to do anything else. And I'll have, you know, five or six pints after the game and I'll have my takeaway. And sure, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to the recovery room tomorrow. So that, that'll make me more recovered. They are popping up everywhere and they are great. It's a, it's a great thing to have, and like that, as you're saying there, is it is getting more professional. And these are we're like we we are a junior team, and we're going into the recovery centers and intermediate and senior teams, ladies teams. All these teams are doing this now. It's fantastic. Like, and again, I've I've heard people giving out saying it's taken the fun out of sport. It's become too too professional, and you know it's too serious. Like, but like that, there's always a team someone can play on. If you're to want to play that level. Hopefully, if you're in a, in a benefit of your team having a junior B team or a junior C team, whatever the case may be, there should be hopefully a team that's at your level and at your level of interest. And I think what happens is that people want to play a senior, but don't want to do any work. And when they see what's required of them or what everyone else is doing, they get upset because they A, don't want to do it or B, they can't do it. And it's just they, their place is taken by someone else. And the easiest thing to do is give out and say, oh, it's too serious. I don't want to do that. I just want to kick ball. I don't want to run anywhere, but I want to play senior football. I want to win all the games. But this is a part of it. And, and recovery, I think, is it's in the last couple of years, you're dead right. That these things are popping up everywhere. And it's great because it gives an option then for, for a, any player. There's no excuse to say that 
they usher only those teams, only only the team in Uri. That that's the only team that have the benefit of that. I'd say within a stone's throw, and I'll give or take a stone's throw, in a half an hour drive, either direction, you're going to come across one of these recovery rooms or someone that has a cryo cryo bath or someone that has a normal tech boots. Like there's so many places out there that have them now, which is fantastic. Which yeah. means there's more more options for people to do them. Which is, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the ice baths. All right, I can actually just hear my uh, my girlfriend outside the outside the window here screaming. She's getting, <laughs> in, she's getting in it there at the moment as we're talking. But uh, but yeah, no, it's interesting because here's the thing: you could be a junior B team now or a junior A team, but if you guys are implementing, you know, this is the training structure. You know, this is this is how we do it. We're going to take this a lot more serious with our off season. You know, with our preseason, with in season, and hey, in two three years time, now you've got the fundamentals built. You know, where the younger kids and the minor level and the sixteen are seeing the seeing the same things. By the time they get the seniors, that's a different club. You know, now they're an intermediate club. Now they're pushing that senior level. You know, skill is a big element to it, of course, but fitness is also a huge element to it. You know, when you have a team there that's you have 15 out there and maybe 16 or 17 coming off the bench that are fit as a fiddle, you know, that's that's the difference between the junior B and the intermediate. A lot of the times, you know, having that fitness where you can go a full, you know, 70 minutes or I, Jesus, is it still 70 minutes lads, or is it 60 minutes? <laughs> It's, it's sixty for for club, but you know when, it, when extra, yeah, we had extra yeah, time yeah. And, the, and all that, you're probably talking yeah. about seventy. Yeah. That... And there was actually a lad over. I think he was playing with the Connemara Gales in Boston. I remember his name. I think he's from Derry. Uh, his name is Barry Grant. But uh, he's got a company now where it's all recovery boots, uh, and I actually still have him on social media. But I, I still follow him. And he's over with uh, some of the, like the Premier League players. He's over at he was at the New Camp a couple of weeks ago in Barcelona with his recovery product. So you're definitely seeing it creep in. You know, it's it's definitely once you're starting to see that at the you know Premier League Premier League level, you know GA stars are almost gonna follow that same suit, right? So uh, when they see it at the professional level, they're gonna take on that same thing as well. Just go back to one thing you were talking about there, Gary. Um... Like I've I've heard a lot of people talk about carb loading you now before before a game and all that, but are you are you saying you, you would you say that the carbs are important right afterwards as well? Or... Yep. Yeah, one hundred percent. So like, obviously you, you touched on the carb loading there. So like you look at as I said, you need carbs. And, and a question you always get asked is what's the best pre match meal? Like if your only source of carbs before a game is a pre match meal, you're not going to make this. It's not going to make any, a difference at all. So for a carb load, you're looking at 24 to 36 hours before the game you're getting six to eight grams of carbs on board per kilo of your body weight uh again it's it's a lot of food it is a lot of food but it, it comes down to looking at your performance being able to have like that's like if you're looking if you're going driving across the country and you you fill your car halfway with petrol you know it's not going to get you there whereas if you know you're driving from dublin to galway you know i need to, i'm probably gonna need a full tank to get me there and back if i fill it up halfway and i know i'm not going to get there and back so that's what you're looking at the cardboard is, is the, the fuel to give you uh, to, to, to last a full game. And the selection of carbs then as well is going to make a massive difference. If you're looking at very fast acting carbs all the time, so if you're eating cereals and white bread and bagels, yes, they're tasty. And yes, you'll hit your carb number with eating those. But 
they're very fast acting carbs. When it comes to game time in 24 hours time from when we're carb loading, there'll be very little carb stores there. So we're looking at a little bit of whole grain stuff, a little bit of medium to, to slow releasing carbs, the likes of oats, the likes of pasta, basmati rice, trying to stay away from processed and microwave foods then as well. So if you're looking at a bag of microwave rice, yes, it's very convenient. And yes, you know what the calories might be, the best might not be the worst, but it might be 250 grams of rice in this microwave bag that I can throw in two or three minutes and it's ready into me in front of me. In front of me, in those 250 grams of rice, there might only be 30 grams of carbs. So every food is broken down and made up of different components. So 100 grams of rice is not 100 grams of carbs. It's broken up into different stuff. That's where processed food isn't the best option for carb loads because, as I'm saying there, it could be 250 grams of rice with 30 grams of carbs. Whereas if you cooked 100 grams of basmati rice yourself from a pack or from you know, a bag, put it in the water, boil it, you could have 100 grams of basmati rice could be 70 grams of carbs. So you're looking at over double the amount of carbs and half the less amount of food and probably half the calories in as well in certain, in certain options. So again, those choices are going to come, going to come, to come down and fuel us better. Now, as you're talking about after a game there, you want to get those quick acting carbs on board then as well. So that's the likes of the, of the white rice, you know, the white pasta, potatoes, stuff like that. That's going to be very, absorbed very quickly into the body and used quickly then again. That's what you're looking at. Before a game then, you're looking at a little bit more slow release and stuff. Slow to mid. Obviously, you can get keep some quick releasing carbs in there as well to help hit that number. But if your whole carb source is quick releasing carbs, come game day, you might not have as much energy as, as you would do if you went for, you know, likes of oats and brown cereals and brown pasta and brown rice. Then after after a game, then, you know, something like spaghetti bolognese or a, a, a chicken curry. Something nice, tasty, even a sandwich. You know, so, something that's handy. Get the chicken on board, get bread on board, pasta, rice, whatever whatever the case may be. And again, with, with, the, with the food choices as well, the main thing is have food you like and you know you digest well. If you're listening to this, you're like, right, geez, I don't like oats. They make me feel like shit. I get really bloated. I get an irritable bowel. You know, I'm on the toilet too much when I eat oats. Then don't have oats. Find an alternative for you that suits you and your lifestyle and your bowel and your digestive system. There's no food you have to eat. Carbs are so wide. There's always going to be an option for carbs, whether you're celiac or gluten intolerant. There's so many different kinds of foods out there that have carbs in them that could hopefully suit you and your and your and your uh, digestive system. Just to kind of get out there as well, not saying oh that bollocks told me I have to eat carbs, I have to eat oats and nothing else, and I hate them and they make me sick. Find what works for you and find an alternative if you don't like any of those foods. Just try and stay away from the processed foods. You know, you're, you're putting your chips in the oven. You know, probably not going to be the best. You're making baby potatoes with you know, a bit of butter, a bit of salt can make a very lovely tasty meal over like a nice home cooked meal. Maybe a better option then as well than you know, just throwing stuff in the microwave. And I know it's you know, we live in an age of convenience, we want everything now, we want everything quick. Whereas if we just take the extra couple of minutes to make stuff from scratch, we're gonna probably eat less calories for starters, again, if that's a if that's something you're looking at, and getting more quality food on board and getting more carbs on board. And the obviously the idea of our carb load is to get as much carbs on board as possible in least volume of food so if we're eating you know 250 grams of rice and only getting 30 grams of carbs and we know that our carb load is you know it could be something over 500 grams of carbs and you're like right i'm after eating 250 grams of rice here and i still have 400 and whatever 80 grams of carbs left to eat across the day and i'm stuffed after this whereas if i had 100 grams of basmati rice and after knocking off 70 like okay that's gonna be way better i don't feel as full at all i could probably have 200 grams of rice there and and feel grand so you know what I mean? So it's just about making those food choices um, and making sure we're getting the carbs on board. Then after a game, then as well, getting those quick recent carbs on board to help replenish the energy we use during the game. Then so nutrition is massive. And, and um, it's it's a, it's a thing uh, that people are learning more about. And 
Like I'm still getting kickback on carb load saying, oh, there's no need to eat that much food. And like I've been trying, I'm not, I'm not the one making it up. And then it's funny, there's two sides of arguments. Like I'm trying to, with my page online, like I'm trying to give as much information as I can to help people. Like obviously, you know, 99% of the time you, you, people listen to you or they like you in comments or whatever. But there's just some people who refuse to believe facts and i'm not the ones making it up i'm talking to top nutritionists i'm talking to sports nutritionists, people who went to college a long lot longer than i have and, and are know a lot more than me they're the ones telling me that they've worked with the likes of dublin they've worked in the, the higher inch county teams and they're telling me that this is what they're doing and i'm relaying that information then to my followers and then they're telling me that i'm full of shit <laughs> it's like well like how am i full of shit i'm literally telling you what someone who knows more than me told me but yes a carb load doesn't work because i don't know why you don't want to believe it for some reason because you're comparing nutrition in 2023 to 1999 when it's probably the last time you kicked a ball in the first place but it's so funny like people just don't want to believe stuff right like that with the, with the speed work as you're saying there earlier on that the owl heads don't want to resting for one minute after running 10 meters are you fucking mad but like we know from science we know from i know from talking to top strength conditioning coaches that this is it's it's the research is there to prove that this works but it's funny like when you just i get a lot from young lads as well more so than our lads with the with, with speed work because they want to go full tilt full time no slowing down no rest they want to be constantly going but if you told them I want to improve my bench press, rest for two minutes after you do five reps. They have zero problem doing that because if they see that they're getting stronger across the weeks, they'll do it. Whereas speed is one of those things that when you're constantly running fast, you're going to get faster. So it's funny that sometimes no matter how much information you give and you show the research and show all the information, people just don't want to believe it sometimes, unfortunately, whether whether it, whether that's whether it's right information or wrong information and i've got to this stage now and like i, I don't want to come across as sounding too much of an asshole or anything but like at the end of the day i don't care if you believe me or not and i don't care if you do a carb load or not or if you have five grams of creatine a day or if you do your speed work and take the one minute rest or not it's at a stage where like i know and i won't take any comments personally unless someone comes personally attacking me and me and my character it's a different story but if, the, if people don't want to believe the information that i'm relaying i'm not making it up it's not like i said oh here's this special secret that i found yesterday like i'm just relaying information that's already out there if people don't want to believe it and people don't want to do it i don't care but i know from trying stuff myself i know from people i've worked with online and my teammates and people i know when they have done it versus when they haven't done it, I'm seeing improvements myself, seeing improvements with athletes over time. This is what works. This is what improves performance. Whether you want to do it or not, it's completely up to yourself. And whether you want to believe it or not is a different story. But I suppose a small tangent, I just wanted to get that off my chest. It's obviously been brewing there for a while. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, it's great to have uh, the likes of your, your page there with all the content. Like, just like it's it's. There's not a there's not a ton of Gaelic football content out there by any means, you know. Like sometimes you're just looking for like a drill to do to get you through get you through a training session, like you know. Like so, it's 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 great to have some of these people like yourself um, out there doing that, you know. The social media is, you know, it's a fantastic place because you know we wouldn't have connected without social media, you know, and like connecting with different people and different you know industries, different parts of the world. Look at the size of the Gaelic football community. You know, you could be in. You know, you could be in Boston, you could be in Qatar, you can be anywhere in the world and there's a Gaelic football community which you can connect with. Do you know Do you know that World Games thing coming up there soon? Um, mm. I, I don't know if you've seen, I, we might have talked about it, Gareth, there's, the, there's a fully Cambodian-born team uh, going out for that. You know, it's it's mad to see GA popping up in some of these places. Like, you know, that's just, that's one of the good things about social media and the internet and all that, you know, there's so much more visibility for all these things, you know, you would have never seen 
Gaelic football in Cambodia, fucking gone back 20 years ago, you know. So I suppose uh, to move on, um, what's next for yourself now, Gary? You, you've got a, a big uh, charity game coming up, I hear. Are you doing a bit of coaching for that? Yes, yeah, so, so I was uh, I was asked to do a bit of coaching for a for a TikTok charity match. Uh, it's for two great charities uh, in Ireland for Jigsaw for for mental health and for the Irish Road Victims uh, Association. So I I was approached to that to come on board as do coaching train them, and I said I've absolutely no problem doing it as long as I can play in the game as well. So obviously, like some of these uh, some of these creators have you know, some of millions, literally millions of followers, and. They're all Irish, and like they're, they're a couple, we've had a couple of soccer charity games I've seen. You know, they've been involved in, and I always thought like, it wouldn't be great if they did a Gaelic match. And I probably the logistics of it is probably not worth even thinking about it. So it wasn't something I was going to go down myself. Whereas I asked to do this it's on the third of June in Parky Cueve, and it's not on the main pitch it's on the four G. But still, to be able to say I had played a game somewhat close at Parky Cueve and talk out in there. Um, I'm really looking forward. Like I'm doing a bit of coaching. Like I never have done coaching before in the aspect of coaching a team, so it was a new challenge for me then as well. And I, you know, I've traveled up to Dublin a couple of nights to do the training session with these guys. And you know, to be fair, like as much as you know, social media people like you think that oh, just because they've a couple of million followers, you are expecting the worst, thinking that they're going to be arseholes. And like, I think it's it's gone to the stage now. You see so many stories of ex influencer was an arsehole because you know, oh, where John know who I am. You hear all this stuff. So we're nearly kind of in, in an age now where if people are popular. You're expecting to be an arsehole, whereas it's probably still the other way around that it's it's very seldom that someone's going to be a dickhead to you in person. Like, and all these guys are lovely. And like, it was they were so like there was no one that had an, any ego at all. I was telling we're doing drills and like calling people not calling people out, but like you did you did that wrong, or, you know, you picked it off the ground, or you know that was a foul. You took two bounces in a row there, and they're like, all right, Simon, thanks. And like, there's there's no kind of egos about it. Like everyone's there to enjoy. Like, like that come back to the enjoyment side of things. It's brilliant. Um, I like about the creator side or the creator side of things. Then as well, it's, it's great to see them exposing GAA as well. Some of these people have never played Gaelic football before in their lives, or if they did, it was years and years ago, and it's, it's nothing got to do with their social media at all. So they might be, you know, beauty influencers or makeup artists or you know, they're gamers or stitchers or gym guys and all. Like it's a mixture of everything, or even just comedy sketches. But like they've got. Is, uh, is that going to be a co-ed game, Gary? Yeah, girls and lads. Uh, yeah, 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 girls and lads. So it's going to be hybrid rules there. Like it's um, lads v lads is, is is grand. Girls v girls is normal, and then lads v girls is going to be like the, the ladies rules in as well. So it's got, no, no, no. Well, I'd say be more. I'd be more worried about the lads or the girls trying to hit the lads as opposed to the lads trying to hit the girls because some of them are very competitive and right? they're getting they're st- getting struck right in, which is brilliant to see. Uh, but like like that, like they're. they're influencers from all walks of life and they've got followers from all across the world and you can see that in the comment section as well which is funny you see people from australia or america or whatever saying like what's red sauce you know like people are trying to explain people then like what red sauce is like they never heard someone saying that before and like that kind of stuff so if they're able to make a video and expose gaa to their wider audience which could be anywhere in the world like you're saying there about the cambodian team which is fantastic like a fully born and bred cambodian team playing in the world games and like like I said, like all it takes is one, for want for a better word, a gobshite with an O'Neill's ball. How they can just bring a whole community together with a sport that they've never seen before and get this interest around it. And if we can get more eyes on our sport, you know, I think it's the better. And like that's why I made my page as well. Like it's just, I, I was, I, I, the reason I met, I broke my hand and I was out of work. I was working in a chemistry lab and I was bored off my head. And I was like, right, I've, I, I'm just going to start videoing 
my training and my food and, and for, for some football drills and look at worst case scenario I'd delete the page after a few weeks people make fun of me and now here I am fucking nearly four and a half years later talking to a podcast in America about Gaelic football and I guess sometimes you kind of realize like, how you know how, how good the, the GAA is like again it, it, if it wasn't for GAA no, I wouldn't if I have, have a, an online social media page, and I wouldn't be talking to you, and I wouldn't be, you know, able to be involved in this charity match with these amazing creators as well, and amazing people for an amazing charity. Like it all comes back to the GA, and it all roots back to that first under ten train I did when I was four years old. You know, if it wasn't for that interest in sport, I wouldn't. You know, I've made amazing friends, amazing connections, and everything. So, so it all kind of ties back into that, and I think that. I don't think everyone anyone can be as grateful for GEA as as they already have. But uh, the more people we can get involved in it, and the more eyes we can get on it and expose, like how we have these amazing sports and only in Ireland that are at the high level. Like we can get more teams. Like I know you're saying you've got teams, you know, popping up left, right, and centre in America, which is fantastic, and in Cambodia, Uganda, all across the fucking globe. There's teams going up everywhere. And like I've done talks with a, a team in Prague. Like if you told me five years ago. I'd be talking to a GEA team in Prague, telling them how to prep for their season. I'd be laughing at you, but now it's it's class. Like I love it. Like I, I've talked to another girl then who was down in the uh, in in where's called Saigon in Vietnam, and I've like it just I I got a Vietnam jersey and like through the mystery boxes, uh the the mystery GA box. I got Sa- Saigon Gales jersey, and they seen I don't know how they seen it, but someone from the club seen it. Like where did you get that jersey? And I was like oh, I got it in a mystery box. I go, I want to come on for a talk. I was like, oh yeah, sound no problem. And like, it's just so funny that like it's such a for such a small community, even on a smaller island, you know, we still have this worldwide team and community around the whole thing as well and the more eyes we get on it the better and the more we can expose and the more we can share and like that just i'll share as much gaa stuff as i can because i think there's so many fitness influencers out there and gym work and sports performance people you know my spin on it on the social media side of things is trying to show as much gaelic football as i can because a, it's what I do anyway, so I'm not going out of my way to do it. I just have to record it. And B, if I can help someone, like I, I had a guy actually send me a video a few weeks ago. I put up a drill about or a video about uh, improving your kicking distance or something small like that. And he sent me a video of uh, in a private message of his seven year old son doing the drill and kicking the ball really far. And he's like, oh, we're following your tips, and he's kicking the ball way further now because he followed your tips. And it's kind of like it really kind of just bring, brings you like right back to the, the reason why you start doing stuff, like why you start coaching. Like, geez, like if a seven-year-old who's starting to play football is saying, I got better because of you, like, geez, that, it means so fucking much. Like, it, it, as, as as much as like, you know, if an online athlete like, he benches 100 kilos for the first time, that's fantastic. But he's already thinking about the next goal like that. Whereas like, a child, it's, it's something like so, like, so the vulnerability about it. Like, I remember when I was that age, and like there was no social media, I couldn't log on, and uh, even your parent, like, obviously, you're seven, you won't be doing it yourself. But there was like no, no way you could see random people doing skills work. You went to your train, that's how you learn stuff. But if you could watch a video online now, I'm not saying myself, I'm not bragging here, but it's because there's, there's a good few coaches out there that are doing stuff, that are helping players and stuff. Like a, a child, literally, a child has improved because of something that I posted online. It's still crazy to think about that. There's that kind of connection, and again. Going back to the GAA, I'm not, I'm not sure what, what county that guy was from, but like he made, I may never ever meet that man ever again in my life or ever in person. But I always remember that that he sent me a video of his son doing my drills and getting better across the weeks, and like that's just fucking class. Like, so you're yeah. building your resume for uh, 
getting a call someday from from Boston or San Francisco. Hey, we're looking for a coach for the summer. You know, is, is this is this what this talk is all about? Or, you know, maybe there's maybe there's an added incentive for this call. But you know, I know coaches do get paid to come out here, so you never know. A few years we might see you out in Boston or San Francisco or. Yeah, if the opportunity ever came up and you know that brown envelope came over, I, I'd not be only coaching. I'd be bringing the boots and shorts and socks. I'd be playing there as well. Uh, no, no problem. We, I'm sure we can sort out a nice, uh, a nice holiday. <laughs> there's a uh, let's just say there's plenty of brown envelopes being thrown around a lot the last few years. I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard a few of them, uh, but a lot of brown envelopes, and I'm sure that's going to continue for the next couple of years. Um, and long may know, last. <laughs> yeah, I know in the next couple of weeks you'll start to see some big names coming out from uh, big counties for, you know, uh, the Boston Championship, you know, Chicago, Philadelphia. So don't be surprised when you see some inter-county players. You're like, oh, look who's coming over. And, uh, you know, look at last year. Look at the players that came over. You know, Rain O'Neill was in Chicago. Else was in Boston. I'm trying to think. You'd have uh, you'd have the Mayo team on one of those Chicago yeah. clubs there at one point, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oshie Mullen there it's as just, well, and uh, yeah. McLaughlin, and um, yeah, there's a good few big names. Yeah, there's always good. Like the, the quality, isn't there a rule that only a certain amount of them can be on the pitch at the same time? Is that a thing that they're going to be? Was it three or four of them on the, one team at one time, or is that did I make that up? Uh, no, no, you're right there. Um, yeah, it, it's, it depends on the level now. I think in senior, you can have, what is it? Am, am I right in saying six or seven, Garrett, or something like that? Yeah, so it's six. Um, it's uh, six home base. Now, actually, they brought it in. You have to have two American-born players on the field. Uh, so then you have, so you have two Americans. You have your, I think it's six home base, and then four away base. Uh, so home base is anybody who has signed in Boston before April 31st. So we're actually getting to the right. deadline for home base players. So then the next deadline then I believe is, I think it's June. Is it June? Uh, where away base players can come in then. After that then, the, the pretty much the season's done. But if you're American, you can sign, you can sign with a team pretty much right up until August which is like championship time. Okay. You know, that's when the finals are. Hmm. Uh, so we're, we're, we're getting to the stage now in the next couple of weeks, you're, you're going to start seeing players coming in. Uh, you'll start to see all the, all the articles going up on sports Joe and all them different, uh, different online magazines where they'll be uh, naming all the players, all the big names that are coming up. And you're starting to see as well, like even Boston, a lot of them are actually being filmed you know, and put on live on Facebook and the actual, the traction they're getting. Oh, yeah, like the yeah, Boston yeah. one last year had, it was thousands of views they had. Uh, so it just shows the demand uh, for football, not just, you know, not just at home, but here as well, because a lot of, a lot of, a lot of boys have, you know, player, uh, like lads they've played with, you know, friends, cousins that are over here playing and they want to see how they're getting on, you know, and that's kind of, you know, it'd be nice in the summer once we get going, to get them updates, you know, for lads that are coming over and see how different divisions are doing and, you know, some of the players that are out maybe doing some interviews with them players too, you know, just to kind of get their perspective on, you know, hey, how's how's Boston? You know, how how have you how have you found the the weather? How have you found the transition from fifteen to thirteen? 
you know, I think people will be interested in that. I think, uh, especially in the summer months, you know, when football is in full swing, you know, it's, you know, it's a long winter here in, in New England where, you know, we have the best of, uh, four seasons. We have, uh, like the autumn is beautiful. It's nice. But then it's freaking cold winters and you're doing nothing. You know, you're, you're, you're hibernating for three, four months because it's fucking freezing outside and you can't even get outside. But then spring comes along. You know, you're in that preseason mode, but then once the summer comes, it's in full fucking swing, you know, and it's, it's brilliant. Uh, so that's our kind of goal with this podcast to kind of, hey, get it up and going now. We'll be, uh, and then by the summer, we'll be flying and, you know, making sure that we're not just exposing Boston, you know, where we are division, but we want to be making sure that everybody's getting, you know, looked at, you know, the, the Pittsburghs, the, you know, the Carolinas, there's actually a huge, huge team down in charlotte uh where they're actually gonna have a cool camps this year and they're expected to have hundreds of kids and a lot of these kids are like not even irish you know so they have a Mm. they have an all they have a senior all-american girls football team that compete very very highly uh and they're putting it up with the irish girls you know so football you know as much as we think it's you know it's irish based you know irish based lads and girls it's it's so popular over here and if you had it in one of the mainstream channels like espn just kind of like you know if they're partnered with sky sports you know you wouldn't really be competing with anything on a sunday morning like if you had a championship game there mm. you know baseball's not on football's not on complete different season you could really open it up to a broad market there uh, you know maybe that maybe that's down the line but you know gaelic football and hurling hurling especially hurling is growing so much here in the u.s uh, there's teams literally popping up everywhere, but it's a fantastic sport. And, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these college kids that came out of college and they're 23, 24, and they almost don't have that competitive outlet. You know, they might have a pickup soccer game here and there or a pickup basketball game, but you know, so a lot of the times they don't have that competitive sport outlet that a lot of people are just craving. You know, you might have a rugby, you might have a rugby team that comes pretty close uh, but nothing, in my opinion, like Gaelic football or hurling, you know. So, and it's in that summer, you know. So, where other sports aren't really. It offer, I, yeah. I think I think both, you know, both hurling and football, especially football, just offers a good balance of like it's a tough, ag- aggressive sport. You know, you can get that bit of boldness out of you, but but at the same time, you're not you're not totally killing yourself. Like like I, like I play a bit of rugby myself now as well, and it's. It's you know it's it's very tough after you know you could be broke up for days after a game, uh, you know the amount of injuries as well like you know this I I don't think I've ever gotten a terrible injury from football to be honest you know uh, it it offers a good mid midpoint between soccer and rugby almost you know so Gary I'm I'm right in saying uh, you sell tailored gym programs for GA players and tailored towards Gaelic football. Yep, so I have set plans on my website and I do tailored coaching then as well. So if you're looking at it, the off-season at the moment, I have three off-season best plans on my website. I have a three-day plan, four-day plan, five-day plan. I also have a running program. So looking back, if you're not quite sure what to do running-wise in the off-season, I have a running program. So I I live away from home. So I do my own training away from home. I, I'm not in the club on a Tuesday. I go home on a, on a Friday. I train my club then. These are the sessions I do when I'm away from home myself, and I found that has kept me in, in match shape, match fitness. And I was actually just, like, pure, right, just kind of talking out loud. I realized, geez, that's a great idea to 
gave for other people to do. That's where I came up with the idea for the running program. I've that available on my website. I have in-season plans available on my website then as well. A two-day plan and a three-day plan. They're all available on the website. And as I said to the lads here, I'll give a discount for any of the listeners here. You can put up low lads. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I'll call it the code. will be USAGAA. Uh, and we'll, there'll be a discount on any of those plans on my website. And I'm sure the lads will link that below there as well. And if anyone is, is more interested in really specific tailored plans, drop me a message on, on Instagram. And I'll give you the more details there. So if in, uh, my name on Instagram is Gaz Gaelic Guide, G-A-Z Gaelic Guide. Uh, and if anyone's interested in, in tailored and personalized plans, you can, get, you can get me there. And if not, if you're lucky and happy with the set plans, they're on my website. And that code USAGAA will give you a discount for uh, for a short period of time then as well. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Gary. We know you're a busy man, so we appreciate uh, you taking the time to come on here. And uh, yeah, just before we wrap up, I want to thank everyone who's listening out there. Uh, if you like this episode, do us a favor, give it a like, follow, comment, subscribe, whatever you can do. We appreciate it. And uh, thanks, and we'll catch you next time, I suppose.